Well, church, I hope you have your Bibles ready. We're about ready to dive into God's Word. It's hard to believe that it's been five months since we had our last indoor service at the Ralph Baker School. Uh, the date was March 8th, a little more than five months ago. And when we were having that service there, at the time we didn't realize that was going to be our, our last service for quite, a, quite some time indoors. But I was sharing with you during that service a message about taming the tongue from James chapter 3. Uh, because in early 2020, we were making our way verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of James. And so we were teaching through the book of James, and all of a sudden, the middle of March came, and a little something called COVID-19 threw a wrench in my plans. I had planned on finishing the book of James before Easter, but that didn't happen. COVID started, the stay-at-home order began, we went online only, and I believed at that point God was laying on my heart to share with you some standalone messages each week that were timely and relevant for what we've been dealing with over these past five months. And so we've taken a bit of a detour, but it was a very important and necessary detour. Over those five months, we tackled subjects like, how could a loving God allow pain and suffering? Does God really love me. We tackled subjects uh, on discouragement and, and on loneliness and anxiety and, and fear and worry. And so we had these very important, I think, and timely messages. We even tackled the subject, uh, what does God think about this idea of dismantling the police? All of those messages from the past five months are available on our YouTube channel. I encourage you to check it out, Impact Christian Church. Uh, also, those messages are available on our website, greaterimpact.cc. I encourage you to go back and check out some of those messages that are still very important and very timely. And if you have friends and family that you know would be blessed by one or more of these messages, refer them to our YouTube channel or to our website. And we have hopes and prayers that these messages will continue to be a blessing. Well, today we believe that God is bringing us back to pick up where we left off five months ago in the book of James. And so we're going to be in James chapter 4 today as we continue this message series that I'm calling Faith That Works. Faith That Works, a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study through this very practical book of James. And as we look at the first 12 verses of James chapter 4 today, I'm calling this message, You're Driving Me Crazy. This is actually a message we'll do in two parts. Uh, we'll start looking at it uh, this morning, and then we'll look at it again uh, next Sunday and dig a little deeper than we're able to in just one message. And so I think this is also a very relevant message for us during this uh, COVID time, uh, because many of us, as we look back over the last five months, we have to admit that it's been a little crazy in our homes. Our kids' schools are closed. Uh, many of our favorite stores and restaurants are closed. Many of our family and friends lost their jobs. And for much of the past five months, as we've been stuck at home with our families, uh, we've had to admit sometimes our families are driving us a little crazy. Am I right? Uh, we've got to be honest with each other. I love my wife and kids. But sometimes when we're spending every waking moment together, uh, we can get on each other's last nerve. That's just the truth of the matter, even in my family. And you know what? Personally, if you ask me, I think I'm a really easy guy to live with. You know, I'm, I'm a sweet guy, right? Very loving, very patient, easygoing. 
but for some reason in recent months, my wife has thought about joining a convent, and my kids are talking about going to live with Grandma. <laughs> so maybe I'm not as easy to live with as I once thought. Husbands, wives, you love your spouse. But when you're spending every waking hour together, you can drive each other crazy, right? Parents, you love your kids. But when they're doing online school in the middle of the family room and they're fighting with their brother or sister every five minutes, sometimes you feel like pulling your hair out. Teenagers, you love your brother and sister, but sometimes they drive you crazy. And while you're thinking about it, sometimes your parents even drive you crazy. As much as you love them, you know, sometimes you feel like you've had it up to here with them. And so we're all experiencing this difficulty of being at home, spending more time with our family, and on certain days, it's more time than we might like. And so we have a a very uh, practical message to tackle today from James chapter 4. God's counsel for us, his advice for us, on how to deal uh, with the stress and difficulty of being together with people in the church, being together with people at home, our families, and being together even with people in line at Walmart. Sometimes people drive us up the wall, but God has given us the tools to help us uh, overcome that craziness. Uh, The theme verse in James can be found in the first chapter. I want you to remember what's said in verses 2 through 4 of James chapter 1. James writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And the last of those three verses I just read for you, James 1 verse 4, is the actual theme verse of the entire book of James. James 1 4 once again reads, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So Jesus Christ didn't go through all the pain and suffering of dying on the cross just for us to stay immature, right? He died on the cross so our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be given new life. But once we're given that new life, he wants us to reach our full potential. He wants us to become all that God created us to be. And in order to reach our God-given potential, we have to become mature and complete. And that will never happen unless we learn how to play nice with others at home, at church, at work, at school, and even at Walmart. So we're going to be in James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Say amen if you're there. Amen. James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Here's what we read. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. 
Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of being able to dive into your word today. And Lord, you know the difficulty we've had recently. We're living during this period of stressfulness. And Lord, many of us had stressful lives before COVID, and COVID has just added to the stress level. So I pray that we'd all just be able to take a deep breath today and soak in your word. I pray, O oh God, that you'd speak to us through your word because we find ourselves sometimes having short tempers with our family and friends. And Lord, we don't want to break off relationships that we have spent so long building. We, we don't, Lord, want to have collateral damage in our families as we say and do things, Lord, that are hurtful and destructive to those we love. So, Lord, I pray that whether we're in our churches, whether we're in our homes, or whether we're at the store, Lord, that you would teach us through your word today how, Lord, we can minimize the craziness in how we handle those around us. Lord, sometimes we feel like others are driving us crazy. But, Lord, for some of us, that's a very short drive. So help us, Lord, to look within ourselves and look into your word and see what you want us to learn to handle the difficulties of relationships that we deal with. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I do mean that. Sometimes when we say that others drive me crazy, it's because it's a very short drive. Many times, as we'll see, especially next week, as we dive a little deeper into this passage in James 4, we'll see that, first and foremost, we have to look within ourselves as the source of that difficulty in relationships. Oftentimes, we have to look in the mirror. Anyway, James starts off in verse 1 here by pointing out that there are many fights and quarrels that we deal with in life. If you look at this passage, those 12 verses I just read for you, here in this passage, James addresses three battles that you and I fight. And these three battles all expose our immaturity and our need for growth. Uh, we battle with other people. That's the main focus of this message today. We battle with other people. Uh, secondly, we battle with ourselves. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. And then thirdly, James points out that we battle with God. We'll talk about that next week as well. So to put it another way, when you think of these three battles, when I'm immature, people drive me crazy. When I'm immature, I drive me crazy. And when I'm immature, God even drives me crazy. This morning we're going to focus on the first of these. When I'm immature, people drive me crazy. So James does start out here in verse 1. He points out that there are many fights and quarrels that we have with each other uh, because we have not yet become mature and complete, because we have not yet got to that point where we lack nothing. Uh, like a bunch of three-year-olds in a sandbox, we still fight and quarrel with each other. 
Here in verse 1, this word fights is an interesting word. It's a translation of a Greek word that literally means wars. And this second word he uses, quarrels, is a translation of a Greek word that literally means battles or skirmishes. So James says here in in verse 1 that there are are many uh, wars and and many battles and skirmishes that take place amongst amongst Christians who claim to follow Christ. And so James asks this question, what causes these fights and quarrels among you? Uh, What causes these wars? What causes these battles? He wants us to look at the big picture, these full-on wars, and and really uh, do some soul-searching and searching in God's Word as to why these wars happen. And at the same time, he wants us to look at the individual smaller pieces of those wars. He wants us to look at those battles and skirmishes and see those building blocks of these wars that take place in our lives. He wants us to look at the big picture, and he wants us to look at the fine details. For starters, it's important to understand that God wants us to be at peace in our relationships. I want you to repeat this after me. God wants me to be at peace in my relationships. Okay? Think about that. God wants me to be at peace in my relationships. God wants you to be at peace in your relationships, whether it's at home with our families or at work with our co-workers or at school with our classmates or at church with our brothers and sisters in Christ, God's will is for us to be at peace in our relationships. God's word tells us in Psalm 133, 1 and 3, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Uh, some of the older translations say when brothers live together in peace. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. In Matthew 5, 9, as Jesus was beginning the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And then one of my personal favorites, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15 says this, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. If you look carefully at these three passages in Psalm 133 and Matthew 5 and Hebrews 12, if you look at them, I think it's crystal clear that God calls you to live in peace with your family. He calls you to live in peace with your family that's under the same roof as you, and he calls you to live at peace with your family who lives under separate roof than you do. And God, if you look at these verses, I think is clearly calling us to live at peace with our neighbors and our co-workers and our classmates. And most of all, I believe the New Testament makes clear that God calls us to live at peace with other Christians in the church. Because they are our spiritual brothers and sisters who we'll spend eternity with. Uh, Just a few hours before Jesus was arrested and led to the cross, he prayed for you and me. Did you know that? Jesus prayed for you and me there in the Garden of Gethsemane. You can read that prayer in John chapter 17, and I want to zero in on verse 23 of John 17. John 17, by the way, contains the longest prayer of Jesus recorded in the New Testament. And he's praying for you and me in verse 23, and this is what he prays. He says, Father, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. 
Jesus reminds us that the credibility of the gospel suffers when Christians act like a bunch of squabbling two-year-olds fighting over who gets to hold the ball. When Christians act like a bunch of spoiled brats in front of a watching world, many non-Christians will say, I want nothing to do with that church, and I want nothing to do with Christianity. Tom Rainier is a popular church leader and consultant of churches around the country. He's pretty well respected as a so-called expert on church growth and, and church health. And about five years ago, he posted on Twitter a survey And here's what Tom Rainier asked. He asked church leaders and really anyone who was reading his uh, his uh, post there uh, on uh, on his Twitter page. He was reading his tweet. He asked them to respond, letting them know true stories of things that Christians in their church had fought about, arguments that had taken place in churches where they had served. And he was very very surprised with the onslaught of response he got. From that simple survey. Many people responded uh, sharing true stories of things that their church members had squabbled and fought over. And some of these, Tom and his team had heard a lot of times before. Uh, They had heard uh, ones like this, that uh, churches were arguing about the temperature in the sanctuary. Uh, Some churches, they were uh, griping uh, about uh, whether the the, the carpet should be blue or burgundy and what color to paint on the walls. But there were some others that really were unique. And so here are ten actual battles fought in some churches across America that were submitted to Tom Rainier. Catch this. Battle number one. What is the appropriate length of the worship leader's beard? (laughs) That's pretty bad. We don't have to worry about that at impact because Patrick has a little trouble growing facial hair. But uh, one church argued about that. Battle number two. Should we use the extra church land for a children's playground or for a cemetery? Battle number three. Which picture... Uh, This one cracks me up. Which picture of Jesus should we place in the lobby? (laughs) A church board actually argued over that question. Battle number four. Why on earth are we using cran grape juice for communion instead of just plain grape juice? Uh, Battle number five. What type of green beans should be served at church? I wish I was making this stuff up, but these are actual arguments and fights and battles that took place in Christian churches. Battle number six. uh, Two different churches battled over the question of what type of coffee they should serve on a Sunday morning. Uh, The first church decided to move from Folgers to a stronger Starbucks blend, and the second church simply moved to a stronger blend. That second church had members actually leave the church over it. To God be the glory, right? What a shame. Battle number seven. Is it a sin to serve... This is real. Is it a sin to serve deviled eggs at church when you're having a potluck? They actually fought over this. Battle number eight. Should we ban the use of the word potluck at church? Instead, use the more Christian term, pot blessing. (laughs) They actually argued over this. And number nine. In one church, some Christians caused a big fuss and left the church because someone hid the vacuum cleaner from them. They actually left the church over that. And then finally, battle number 10, Christians in one church disputed over whether or not the church should ban people, catch this, from wearing black shirts. 
because black is obviously the color of the devil. Ten actual arguments that happen in ten actual churches. And I want you to ask yourself and answer this question. You know, do any of these battles draw people closer to Christ? Or, on the contrary, do they push people away from Christ? And ask yourself this question. Do you think these battles brought any glory to God? Or brought God a bunch of embarrassment? Like you, when I first read these, I was busting a gut. Man, I was laughing so hard, I literally almost fell off my bed. Especially with the one about arguing over the picture of Jesus. I almost fell out of my bed reading that. I was cracking up. But as I think back on that, I probably should have been crying, not laughing. Because what a tragedy to have Christians who have been given the gospel of Jesus Christ, who have been given the message of salvation, who have been given the regeneration by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, for us to have been entrusted with the greatest mission ever given in the history of the world, to go into all the world and make followers of Jesus of all nations, we've been given the greatest mission ever, and we're spending our time fussing over green beans and blends of coffee and whether or not to make a cemetery or a kid's playground. What a tragedy. What a tragedy that we've squabbled over such petty little things. Uh, Do we have to be on guard, church? Do we have to be on guard against arguments that distract us from keeping the main thing the main thing? You better believe we do. The church of Jesus Christ, we have to be on guard. We have to be careful. We have to remember that the world is watching us. Husbands and wives, people hear how you speak to each other in public. And if you're speaking loudly, they hear how you speak to each other in your own backyard. And we have to know that people take note that you are Christians. Parents, people hear how you speak to your kids at Winco. And they take note that you are Christians. Teenagers, your friends hear how you speak to your parents when your parents are there with you. And your friends hear how you speak about your parents when you're talking about them behind their backs. And they take note that you claim to be a Christian. The world is watching and listening, so we have to choose our battles wisely. All ten of these church battles that I just shared with you were silly, right? We'd all agree. They were silly. They're petulant. Uh, They're ridiculous. But, you know what? It's easy to sit back and laugh at at churches that have these dumb arguments and think, well, our church would never argue about those silly things. I hope you're right. I hope we would never argue about those things at church. But you know what? When you think about it, you and your own family have had some similarly silly battles yourselves within the four walls of your own home. Uh, I bet you, if you took a few minutes, could come up with your own top ten list of dumb things you've argued with your family over. Uh, Battling over who should do the dishes. Arguing about who forgot to take out the trash. Griping about what's for dinner. Fussing over what time to get up the next morning. And arguing over who passed gas. Because it stinks in here and I'm not going to claim that it was me. You know I'm telling the truth, don't you? This happens all the time in our households. We fuss and gripe and, and squabble over silly, silly little things. We laugh at other Christians who have argued over ridiculous little things, but our own arguments in our own homes have been just as ridiculous. And at times, our silly arguments have pushed our family members away from Christ, and they've been an embarrassment to God. Now, God's Word tells us 
here in James chapter 4, verse 11, that there are three other damaging things that our mouths do that need to stop. Look again at verse 11. Slander. I'm going to paraphrase the next term. Criticism. And number three, judging. Slander, criticism, and judging. I want to start with slander. Bottom line, there is no excuse for Christians tearing others down with slander. And just to make sure we're all clear, slander is defined this way. To slander means to make a false spoken statement about someone that is damaging to his or her reputation. So it's a false statement made about someone that's damaging to their reputation. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that one of the main reasons why Jesus created the church was so that the church could build up, Christians could build up each other, not tear each other down. Christians are to help each other become more mature in Christ, not tempt each other to become more immature in the devil. That makes sense, doesn't it? We're to build each other up. We're we're to help each other become more mature in Christ, not more immature in the devil. But that's what we end up doing so often in our homes. Far too often we get frustrated and impatient with our family members. We lash out at them saying things that are hurtful and untrue. You're an idiot. You're worthless. You're hopeless. You're such a pain in the neck. I can't stand you. We've said these things in our own homes, and we've done more damage than we've realized. Maybe you, like me, were taught as a young child, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a cute little poem. That's a cute little line to remember, but it's fantasy land. In this real world in which we live, when people we care about When people we love say hurtful things to us, you better believe words hurt. You better believe that words cut deep. Words have the ability to to strip someone of their hope and have them do things that are rash and sometimes even cost them their lives. Our words are so, so important. They cause harm. They cause damage, especially when they're spoken by a family member we love. So friends, God has called us to bring out the best in each other. But some of us have gotten into this bad habit of pushing our family members' buttons and bringing out the worst in them. Some of us need to humble ourselves before God, as he tells us in this passage. We need to humble ourselves before God and ask him to help us deal with our toxic tongues. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.29, such an important verse, He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I had a college professor tell me years ago that this term unwholesome talk is a translation of a Greek term that was oftentimes used in Jesus' day to describe bad, stinky fish. Have you ever smelled rotting fish? It's just one of the most awful smells in the world. Rotting fish. It's just smelly. It's nasty. And that was basically uh, the term that Paul uses here when talking about unwholesome talk coming out of our mouths. So Paul is saying, hey guys, Christians, you have to make sure as followers of Jesus Christ that you don't have rotten, stinky fish coming out of your mouth. Amen? 
that provides a, a pretty vivid picture of what our slander looks like to God. But it's not just our slander that is like stinky fish. Look again at verse 11 here in James 4. James tells us not to speak against our brother or judge our brother. So our harsh criticism of others is like stinky fish to God. And when we judge others, it's like stinky fish to God. Uh, Would you agree that there's far too much criticism and judgment among Christians these days? It's just true, isn't it? There's too much criticism. There's too much criticism in our homes. There's too much criticism in our churches. There's too much criticism out on the streets, in our workplaces, in our schools. Christians should be set apart. Uh, We shouldn't be criticizing others at the level that non-Christians do. We shouldn't have slander coming off of our mouths like non-Christians do. Uh, We shouldn't be judging others like non-Christians do. One of the reasons why our family members are driving us crazy during COVID is because there are too many silly quarrels going on in our homes. Wouldn't you agree? There's too many silly quarrels going on in our homes. But another reason why our family members are driving us up the wall is because we brought way too many stinky fish into our homes. That's true as well. We've brought too many stinky fish into our homes. Adults, we are guilty of this. Teenagers, you're guilty of this as well. We all have to work together to keep the bad fish out of our homes. Our homes should be consistent refugees. We're not refugees. Consistent and and faithful refuges from the slander and the criticism and the judgment that are so prevalent in our culture. Our homes should be places where we follow Ephesians 4.29, where we build each other up uh, according to their needs so that it will benefit those who listen. Our homes should never have as much stinky fish in them as non-Christian homes do, and our homes should never have as many stinky, stinky fish in them as the streets of Victorville do. We are to be different. We are set apart. We are a chosen people, a holy nation, followers of Jesus Christ who never sinned. You and I as believers and followers of Christ have a God-given responsibility to do a deep cleaning of our homes and get rid of the stinky fish. So, some of us even today need to get our families together in our household and have a little family meeting. Some of us need to get our families together and have a nice little discussion with our kids and with the other adults that may be in our homes and talk to them about the toxicity that's been taking place in our homes over the last five months. And we need to come to a decision, many of us in our homes, that we are going to make a change beginning today, that we are going to watch what comes out of our mouth, that we're not going to have this stinky fish coming out day in and day out. We're not going to be criticizing each other. We're not going to be slandering each other. We're not going to be judging each other. We're going to allow our words to build each other up because your home needs to be a safe haven from a very crazy world that we live in. Your, your home needs to be a safe place for every person who lives there. And so that should be a place of love. That should be a place of encouragement. That should be a place of edifying one another. And if we make this verse, Ephesians 4.29, A theme verse for our homes this week. Once again, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Is there really any doubt if we make this our theme verse in our homes this week? Is there really any doubt that our family members 
aren't going to be driving us as crazy as they did last week. You know what? If we're building each other up with our words, if we're being careful what comes out of our mouths, if we're making sure that we edify instead of criticizing and slandering and judging, you better believe that that home will be a more peaceful place to be. And you and your family can enjoy that extra time you have together without feeling like you need to head for the hills because they're getting on your last nerve. Oh, living together during these times is not easy. But God gives us the wisdom that we need to be able not only to survive, but to thrive in the midst of these stay-at-home times. We're going to continue our look at uh, James chapter 4 next week. We'll look at these same 12 verses, and we're going to look at those next two things that James points out to us, those next two battles, the battles that we fight within ourselves and the battles that we fight with God. And he'll help us walk through how to navigate those difficult battles that we face and how to rise above them with maturity. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving us this opportunity to dive into your word and study your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be honored and glorified through all that we say and all that we do. Lord Jesus, I pray for anyone who's here today who does not know you as Lord and Savior. I pray, O God, that they would choose today to admit that they are a sinner, that they would believe that you died on the cross for their sins, and that they would choose to follow you and obey you from this point forward for the rest of their lives. Lord Jesus, I pray for any of us. I should say I pray for all of us because we all struggle with our tongues. We say things we shouldn't say, and we fight and we quarrel. We battle and we war it out with others. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us and help us, Lord, to be peacemakers because you've called us to live at peace and to be peacemakers in our homes, in our churches, in our schools, in our workplaces, and in our neighborhoods. Help us, Lord, to sow seeds of peace wherever we are. And may we do that consistently with the words that come off our lips. In Jesus' name, amen. As we lift up this next song, this is an invitation song. At the bottom of the screen are going to be a couple names of prayer counselors that are on call right now. You can call them by phone or you can text them if you have a prayer need. They want to pray with you. Or if you've made the decision today to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, they want to pray with you and talk with you about how you can right now put Jesus Christ in the driver's seat of your life. And they'll talk with you also about how you can get baptized as soon as possible. You see, we find in the New Testament when someone made that decision to accept Christ, they were immediately baptized because they wanted to immediately show the world that they were serious about that decision. We've got a portable baptistry. We can bring it to you if need be. But we want to pray with you. We want to talk with you how today you can begin that walk of following Jesus Christ. And when he's on the throne of your life, you better believe that he'll help you through these difficulties and the relationships that you face. Lift up your voices as we lift up this song of invitation together. And I encourage you to reach out to one of our prayer counselors right now. <laughs> 